The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I don't really know how, but some way, some form, we survived what was supposed to be a 13-game Wednesday. But of course, you guys know that magically became 12, but we made it. And it was a haul, man, between making sure we had all of our handicapping done, trying to keep track of all the fantasy stuff going on. I foolishly added another league to my roster this year, so now I've got all these different places. I'm trying to make sure I've got the right guys on my team. What a pain in the neck. I joke, of course. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. I will say that it's kind of nice to have a day without games. Collect ourselves. No games tonight. We could spend today's pod reviewing what happened yesterday, taking a nice long look ahead to the games on Christmas Day because they do start first thing in the morning, 9 o'clock Pacific time, Pelicans and Heat. That's the early game. Warriors, Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Mavs, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Should be a fun one. The NBA was trying to predict uh, some of the most compelling matchups in there. Warriors look less compelling than usual. And the Nuggets, they tried to wake up late, but they were slow on yesterday's ballgame. Our leans yesterday went, went pretty well. So I think what I'd like to do, first of all, is hello. Hello. Hi, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Please do check out all of our wares. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. That's an easy one. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I've been reminding you about that pretty regularly over the last few weeks because this is when new people find the show. But we're not going to dive into that too much today. So again, if you want to find me, Dan Bespris, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball, go to hoop-ball.com is the website. Please do check out the Fantasy Pass if you want to get involved in our full season fantasy coverage and our fantasy Discord channel. We also have the DFS Pass from the minds of Micah Patria and Santino Cocon and their incredible team. You've got the DFS Delivery. That's a game-by-game breakdown of what's going on every day and a DFS Discord. That comes with it. That's only $1.99 a month. That's ridiculous. I don't even know why that's... <laughs> what kind of a number is that? Fantasy Pass is $4.99. All of our wagers, the whole... All the, the final best bets, that's in the wager pass. That's $9.99. You can get it all wrapped up together for $12.99 in the HoopBall 360 plan. So please do check out some of those. You can follow HoopBall on, Fantasy, or on Twitter at, at HoopBallFantasy. I want to review yesterday from a betting standpoint and a fantasy standpoint. So we'll go through each game. The betting review stuff is going to be pretty quick. Did it or did it not get near our handicap? And if so, or if not, what did we get wrong? Uh, That'll be pretty fast. The fantasy review on yesterday, a 12-game card, is going to be much more extensive. I also want to talk about the news of the morning. There was one little tidbit that broke about two hours ago, and that's related to James Harden. So we'll do that. That'll be the first thing. Then we'll transition into Christmas Day stuff. We'll do what we did yesterday, breaking it down, uh, gambling leans. If you're getting into that, I hope you are. We're going to have some fun with that this year. And then what to watch for on the fantasy side in terms of uh, some some difference makers. And we had a lot of stuff that happened yesterday that we weren't really ready for. And that's why you just you have to be locked in here. This first week of the year is about finding the balance 
between not panicking on established dudes on your own team and also making sure that you get those hot pickups the first week of the year. Because guys emerge that we didn't see coming this first week, and sometimes they just don't go away the rest of the year. They're just in. So you cannot miss it this first week. And yesterday was a, a critical day for that on a number of fronts. A lot of guys that got picked up yesterday that actually do potentially have a little bit of staying power. So let's dive into the news first thing. That's uh, that's always got to be number one on our on our board. And it's James Harden related. We got a timeline. Because we know James Harden broke protocol, but he did test negative. He wasn't, as we talked about on yesterday's show, he wasn't the reason that a couple other guys had to do contact tracing stuff and they sat out and that game ended up getting postponed yesterday, which is good by all accounts. This is another reason to play Roto. Because if you had Rockets or Thunder in your head-to-head league, you just magically lost a game this week, and you're going to magically gain one some other week. In Roto, it doesn't matter. Game's going to happen at some point. Game's a game. Anyway, uh, word on the street, and that street being Woj, is that James Harden has to isolate until Friday and test negative every day between now and then before being cleared to return to play, which is not that big of a deal. That's tomorrow, and if everything goes according to plan, he'd be back for the Rockets game on Saturday against the Portland Trail Blazers. So, let's not freak out. And yesterday I said on Twitter, perfect time to trade for James Harden because this tweet now basically makes him back to being a first, second, or third overall kind of guy. For a window yesterday, from the afternoon until first thing this morning, James Harden was a terrifying headache for fantasy owners that could have been had probably for a late first-round pick. Which sounds insane, but I need to elaborate on this. I, I, I insist upon it. We've talked before on this show at some great length at the difference between the top of the first round and even the bottom of it. Just looking at last year, per game value, nine category. Don't even get me started on 8-cat. 9-category. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Dame, Kawhi. This is including the bubble, by the way. That's why Dame is so high. Bottom of the first round last year was Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler on a per-game basis. If you could have had Harden for Beal yesterday, there were people that 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 weren't going to do it. I don't think I can get rid of Beal. James Harden, he's going to be a headache all year. The difference between Beal and James Harden last year was a full cat, basically. You could have slipped a mid-first rounder on top of Beal to get to Harden's value. That's how important it is to get that much production out of one roster slot every week. And I think that's largely gone. With this Woj tweet, people are like, oh, cool, I'm getting him back one game from now. The fear is gone. It's back to being most recent news is good news. If you can still think, if you still think you can pull it off, maybe someone in your league that has Harden didn't see that morning tweet from Woj, uh, go try to get him. All right, let's talk about yesterday. Miami was in Orlando. Our handicapping was spot on with this one. We figured Orlando was going to surprise the Heat with a little bit more pace, and we figured the Heat were going to sleepwalk through large portions of this ball game, which they generally did. Miami had 22 turnovers while doinking their way through the game. Bam Adebayo had seven of them. Butler had six. So those two guys accounting for 13. And Tyler Hero, four. So there's 17 of your 22 turnovers. The Heat didn't off really play 
poorly by any stretch, but they played like a team that wasn't really lasered in. They were sort of floating through the ballgame. They made mistakes with the basketball. They weren't really defending all that well. And the Magic just were there the whole game. They were hanging in there. Were a couple, they were four or five points ahead pretty much the entire night. Fell behind briefly on a cold spell in the fourth quarter. Evan Fournier hit a three-pointer. Magic cruised to a straight-up victory in this game. I didn't have the stones to bet at Moneyline, but we did have Orlando on our card yesterday. Fantasy-wise, no real surprises. Markel Fultz played 29 minutes, which probably is about right as they rotate through sort of other point guardy options. Michael Carter-Williams saw, I would venture to guess, a couple extra minutes yesterday. Terrence Ross continued, picked up where he left off. And it's the nice thing about T. Ross is that it doesn't seem like it's quite as much of a heater or not heater situation anymore. He's just getting more shots in this new Orlando offense. Meanwhile, uh, Vooch was just, I don't know what the hell he was. He was drunk in this ballgame. He went two for eight at the free throw line by low. If you got a fourth or fifth rounder that had a good ball game, go get yourself Vooch. He's a late second rounder when this season's done, at least. By low. I think you could probably do it after one game. I think people watched that and were like, oh my God, what happened? Aaron Gordon looked good. No assists, though, which was a little frustrating, considering we were hoping that was going to be part of his growth, but that was a good start for him. And over on the Heat side, Jimmy Butler looked good. Goran Dragic looked good. I figured he would have a... He looked like he was more ready to go than most of the team. Duncan Robinson, normal stuff. I think Tyler Hero is going to end up being a fairly overdrafted player this year. He has fantasy stat set issues that I don't know if they're going to go away until he's getting Goran Dragic's role as well. And remember we said Mo Harkless' watch was sort of in very soft effect well, it's probably in soft not effect anymore. He played the first seven and a half minutes of the ballgame, and I thought, ooh, is Mo going to play 30 minutes tonight? 23 minutes, he took four shots. Very hard to have a lower usage number than Harkless did last night. Charlotte at Cleveland. We nailed this handicap as well. Figured Cleveland had continuity. Charlotte did not. Cleveland had size. Charlotte did not. And it was two bad teams that both really want to compete this year. This is a big deal for these two teams. They want to compete. They're probably, I mean, they're not going to be good. I, but you know what? With the play-in game, the, the bottom feeders in the East can all convince themselves that they're competitors, at least in the short term. So that panned out nicely, and the Cavs were up huge for most of this ballgame. The fact that it ended at 7 was actually Charlotte coming back a bit late. Fantasy-wise... Terry Rozier, wow, whoa, okay, looks like he's still good with playing off-ball. Gordon Hayward looked great, he's going to have a big fantasy season. Devontae Graham played 37 minutes, that was intriguing as well. Um, figured he'd be interesting this year, hoping to see some progress in the shooting, but 37 minutes, that's, that's really all you need to know in that one. Cody Zeller hurt again, took him 19 minutes to blow his season up. Um, PJ Washington, who I was not that high on compared to a lot of folks in the industry, only played 21 minutes. Kind of weird. Um, it seemed like maybe Miles Bridges slid up there. They're at, at this point now, they're probably going to have to play more Washington at center because I don't know how much Bismack Biombo you can really play on this team. LaMelo Ball played 16 minutes off the bench. He was not good. And this is sort of our fear is you just, you can't give a team to a rookie point guard and expect them to have any any kind of consistency. 
Rozier's going to be good this year. I mean, he'll be fine. I'm going to say good. This is a obvious sell on Rozier. This will probably be his biggest game of the season. So go get something for him. Go get like a sixth or seventh rounder if you can. Because he's going to settle back towards the edge of the top 100. Maybe he's in that same 80 to 90 range as last year. But that's kind of your best case scenario with as many guys as they're going to be trying to feed the basketball. Larry Nance Jr. Oh, boy. You guys know I love me some Larry. Boy, did he deliver. 13, 13, and 8. Three steals, two blocks, and a three-pointer. Five of nine from field, two for two at the free throw line. Brilliant game. Filling in as starting power forward for Kevin Love, but it doesn't matter because even if Love is healthy, Nance just slides to the bench, picks up all the backup center and power forward minutes. Uh, Isaac Okoro is going to be a guy who gets squeezed when Love comes back. He'll still play some, but he's not a pickup. I know there were 33 minutes, but the fantasy game is still not quite there. Extraordinarily low usage. That's kind of another thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Colin Sexton was good. The stories, I thought, in this game were mostly around Andre Drummond and his foul trouble and poor shooting, but I do think he wants to play well this year. And then Darius Garland, who went 22 points, four threes, six assists in 32 and a half minutes. He doesn't do much defensively. I think his field goal percent will drop pretty hard from this mark. But he's a starting point guard on an NBA team in his second year, and to me, he's a must-own guy if he isn't already. He's relatively well-owned in fantasy. Um, what's the number on him in Yahoo, just so we can make sure we have this right? Uh, he's 50% rostered, which, for those of us, for, for people that are listening to this podcast, that's most of your leagues, I would venture to guess. It's all of mine, 100% rostered. And he was rostered, I think, in 100% of my leagues even before that game started. So that's one really interesting guy from yesterday's card. Let's keep rumbling along here. Washington at Philly. I thought Washington was going to have more issues than they did. They'd had 19 turnovers, shot 46%. That really should have been enough for the Sixers to cover in this game, but they came up a point and a half shy, one by six instead of seven and a half. Uh, the notes on this ball game: Thomas Bryant got beat up by Joel Embiid. He'll be better than this most nights, but he probably won't be as good as folks wanted him to be with Westbrook out there grabbing 11 rebounds and nobody else more than five. Russ is going to have a pretty good, pretty big year, I would venture to guess, especially if he stays away from the three-point line like he did yesterday. Bradley Beal, he'll be fine. Those guys are going to figure out how to play together, but he had 31 here on opening night, so that's good. There were, however, a couple of negatives on that Washington side. Davis Bertans only played 20 minutes. I mentioned on some of these shows that I thought he might get squeezed a little bit. I know folks were were pretty high on him, but I didn't. I only ended up in, with him in a place where I needed three pointers out of my center spot. I, I don't know that there's quite enough beyond Beal and Westbrook for almost anyone on this team. I know Rui's hurt. He falls into that bucket as well. I figure Thomas Bryant is the one guy that might be able to stay above the fray because he'll get you some big man type stuff, even if Westbrook is jacking most of the rebounds. But Westbrook and Beal, they're going to chew most of it up on that team. On the Sixers' side, Seth Curry played 32 minutes. Danny Green only played 18. Shake Milton played 30. And I get the feeling that those guys are going to all be fighting for the same bucket on many nights. That said, uh, if Shake Milton's floating around out there, you might as well take a flyer on him, see if he can keep this up. They, they like him, and he's an intriguing basketball player in that you know, we've seen him put up fantasy stats before when he gets the proper number of minutes. 
he's another guy you should be checking your league for. Is this guy rostered? And he is in five out of six places in my leagues. So, you know, uh, 26% rostered overall, he might be available in yours. And, you know, Seth Curry, you hang on. Danny Green I don't, probably wasn't drafted anyway. Tobias Harris, a little bit of a buy low. He'll be better than that. Not going to shoot 23% for the year. Knicks at Pacers. Demonis Sabonis just annihilated the Knicks front court. This is a great buy opportunity for Mitchell Robinson or Nerlens Noel, who only played nine minutes yesterday. Those guys just got eaten alive. The Knicks ended up having to go heavily Julius Randle at the uh, big man spot just to try to get a little bit of girth out there, but it wasn't enough. Sabonis had 32, 13, and 5. He's a sell, by the way, because it's not going to be quite that good every night. Miles Turner had eight blocks on opening night. Whoa! <laughs> that's a great sign, but that's also a byproduct of playing the Knicks. For the Pacers, you know, you got your starters. TJ Warren, he'll be fine. He's a buy. He's a buy low. Uh, on the Knicks side, Alex Burks, or Alec Burks, excuse me. I, I tweeted yesterday that uh, you didn't want to drop him just because he was coming off the bench because the Knicks are offensively incredibly anemic like wildly anemic on offense. So they need Burks to come in and score a little bit. He'll be fine. Julius Randle nearly triple-doubled with with little else. R.J. Barrett was the story on the Knicks side. He had 26-8-5, and five, and he hit his shots, and he only got to the free-throw line twice, so he didn't have a chance to detonate things over there. If he can get his field goal percent up this year, he could actually be somewhat fantasy-relevant, but I am not buying in after one game shooting 73%. That's a number that will level off, and when it does, it could be ugly. Alfred Payton is a drop. If you had him floating around anywhere, he's not going to get enough minutes. The Knicks are going to be splitting point guard stuff around, and I think that's probably your ball game. We didn't really handicap that game yesterday. I, I, I wanted to bet the Pacers. I thought the Knicks might be a little bit underrated. You know, as it turns out, we should have gone Pacers, but whatever, no harm done. Boston-Milwaukee, that handicap went about as expected. This was a tight game. Nip and tuck. Boston hit a game winner. 122-121 final score. Jalen Brown had 33. Tatum had 30. Jeff Teague came off the bench for 19-4 and with a couple steals and a block. Marcus Smart, he'll be fine. 3.7 assists, two blocks in yesterday's game. They just, you know, Tatum took all the shots. That's just the way it went. Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson, those guys are splitting big man minutes, and until Kemba Walker comes back, seems like Jeff Teague will be statistically relevant. Uh, for the Bucks, it's their starters on the fantasy side. That's it. That's all you got to worry about. They're all uh, must-own guys in the starting unit on that Milwaukee side. New Orleans-Toronto uh, biffed this handicap. Thought Toronto would overachieve here on night one, and instead they shot 43% from the field, committed 20 turnovers, only got to the free-throw line 12 times in the ball game, and let the Pelicans shoot 53%. Totally fell apart in the second half. Toronto was up eight early in the third quarter, ended up losing by 14. Massive 22-point swing. For New Orleans, a lot to like. Brandon Ingram was great. Steven Adams was great in 31 minutes, especially when he doesn't get to the free throw line. That's especially good. Six defensive stats. J.J. Redick had 23 points off the bench. Six three-pointers. Eric Bledsoe at 18-2-6. He was great. Lonzo had five turnovers with 16-5-2. Steal a couple blocks. Zion 15-10. He was the bad story, actually, on that side. Double-doubled, yeah, uh, but six turnovers and one for four at the free throw line. He's just going to be deucing all over free throws all season long. This is a really encouraging start for New Orleans, especially that second half where they actually played some defense. 
Um, I don't know that Redick and Hart necessarily are must-own guys, but certainly if JJ is going to get 14 shots off the bench, and you know, you if if Zion is only going to be taking nine, that really changes the the trajectory of a lot of these guys. You know, thought for me was at least you know Eric Bledsoe comes in, he doesn't take that many shots, but Zion and Ingram were going to be taking a bunch. Not in this one. They split them up. It was a good job. Moved it around a little bit. On the Toronto side, um, yeah, there really wasn't much of a story. Norman Powell's not going to shoot two for 11 every game. He'll be better. Freddie Van Fleet, same story. Those guys will be better. If anything, they are by opportunity. Guys, I thought the most interesting thing on Toronto's side was Aaron Baines logging 28 minutes. Now, the question was, is this because Steven Adams was on the other side? Because it really could be. If this was because Steven Adams was on the other side, then that means in the next one you might see more Chris Boucher. So I don't know that I would race out and pick up Aaron Baines, but he is a guy to throw on your watch list just in case it sticks. Next one as we rumble through this stuff. Atlanta beat the hell out of Chicago. Totally got this one wrong. Thought the Bulls were going to be competitive. They got whipped right from the outset. Atlanta side, I don't know that you can draw a ton because nobody played more than about 26 minutes in this ballgame. So we'll wait for the next one to really handicap that team on the fantasy side. For the Bulls, good to see Larry Markkinen get aggressive out there. He hit his shots. He took enough of them to be relevant. Zach Levine kept his usage high. Kobe White missed a ton of shots, which was kind of the fear there. Otto Porter actually looked pretty good in his 23 bench minutes. And, you know, if he's going to get a few more than that in a non-blowout, I think it ended up being actually a pretty interesting fantasy player. It kind of plays himself into shape. Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter Jr. are probably the bigger stories on that bull side. Patrick starting, playing 33 minutes. He's a guy you got to add just in case that sticks and he turns into something. And Wendell Carter Jr., um, stick it out. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. He just, I mean, he just got run right off the court in this ballgame, but I don't know that it could be a whole lot worse than this. Here's the thing with Wendell Carter Jr. He was always going to be kind of a late-round center. Not a post-100 guy, probably just inside of that mark, but he's not, you know, he was never going to be a high-usage center. What you wanted out of him was like 10-9 and with a steal and a block. That was always the plan going into this year. Spurs Grizz should have bet my my conscience with this one figured the Spurs would come out and be ready and they were they put up 131 high octane Spurs offense DeMar DeRozan 28 9 and 9 he was brilliant DeJounte Murray 21 6 and 9 he's gonna be so good this year Lonnie Walker filling in for Derek White had 16 he'll be fine probably for a couple of weeks LaMarcus Aldridge no longer likes to rebound and his old age and then, of course, the story on the Spurs side, Keldon Johnson, who got the start at power forward and would seemingly have a lock on that spot right now at 16-5-3 with three steals. Must-add guy if he wasn't already. Get him on your team. John Moran had the story, the big game of the season so far. 44-9, uh, and nine, two steals and a block. Hit his free throws, hit his field goals. Doesn't matter that he didn't hit three-pointers. He had one. If you're going to put up 44-9, basically nothing else you do matters at all. However... This is a sell moment for Morant. I get it. I And I've said it on this pod before. I know he takes a step forward this year. I still don't think it's enough. He will not be the number one fantasy player for long. If you have him and you can convince somebody that this is going to be the norm, go get yourself a second or third round guy. 
Memphis side, otherwise, uh, Dylan Brooks, you know, this was a better one. He did foul out, but his percentage, his field goal percent will end up tanking you in roto formats. There's a you know, points leagues guy. He's probably in, in pretty good shape there. JV, normal start. Couldn't hit his free throws, but chalk that up to game number one. I don't know why people are rostering Kyle Anderson. This is a short-term thing, and it's not even really a good short-term thing. Brandon Clark, go by low. Detroit at Minnesota. We didn't really know what to do with this ball game, so we left it alone, and I feel good about that decision because Minnesota ended up winning by 10. Mason Plumley is an ad in Detroit. He played 32 minutes in this ball game, 14, 8, and 6. Didn't get into defensive stats, but also didn't have to shoot any free throws. So you take the good with the bad. Go immediately find out if Mason Plumley is on uh is available in any of your leagues. I mean, this is the thing. Everything we do here. At the front end of the season, we have to do it with a measure of caution because you don't want to drop anyone that has proven long-term value, but you also want to be there when stuff like this shakes out that is clearly a thing. And for Plumley, 32 minutes is a thing, and this is why. He's a guy that has colossal fantasy deficiencies to his game. Big ones, big ones. He's a career 56% uh, foul shooter. And, you know, he gets to the line at, at an okay clip when he's out there long term. But if you go all the way back, and we, we got to turn the clock back quite a bit, 2016-2017 with Portland, that was sort of the last time that he was asked to do anything meaningful on a basketball court, which was uh, post I guess that would, would be post-Nurk trade, right? That was after Plumlee went one way. No, Nurk went one way, Plumlee went the other. So it was pre-Nurk trade, 2016. This feels like a longer time ago than it actually was. He played 28 minutes a game for the Blazers during the regular season that year, 54 games before the move, averaged 11, 8, and 4 with a steal and 1.2 blocks. Yes, he shot 57% at the free throw line. That's bad. But he was at 53% from the field. He's a 57% guy from the field over his career. And so I think you can expect something probably in between those two numbers. So let's go back. We're going We're going to grab our Wayback Machine. And we're going to look at the 2016-2017 NBA ranks. We have his entire season, which includes the... Uh, the Denver games after the trade. That was an additional 27 games. We only played 23 minutes, averaged nine and six uh, with six and 2.6 is all of his numbers came down because his playing time came down. Actually, free throw shooting went up a tiny bit. But if you go back to that year and set up a date range that basically runs from the beginning of that season to roughly the all-star break, but I don't remember precisely what day that was, Mason Plumley was actually a top 90 per game guy, despite the free throw deficiencies. And and they are significant. I don't know that he's going to play, what the hell did I just say he played yesterday? 32, 32 minutes for Detroit every single night. But 28 seems very attainable, because for every 32, you would need a 24 to balance that out. Let's say that he's around 28, and maybe he clears it more times than he doesn't. If you add a little bit, to what he did four years ago. And 11 becomes 11.5 or 12, and 8 rebounds becomes 8.5, and 4 assists becomes 4.2. 
And 0.9 steals becomes 1, and 1.2 blocks, 1.3. All those little tiny things, you can jump a long way in the you know 70 to 130 range. And you could be looking at a top 75 center, or a top 80 maybe might be a better target. And you can't leave a guy like that on the waiver wire. You just can't. So check it out. See if he's out there. This is a safer one, I believe, in fact, than some of the other names we were talking about, where, like Patrick Williams in Chicago, if Otto Porter plays himself into game shape, he could take that job. There's not safe at all. Uh, Aaron Baines, we talked about. If they play a smaller team, I don't think he gets that many minutes. Keldon Johnson, yeah, that's probably a safer one. Garius Garland, yeah, I mean, in terms of playing time, that's safer, but we know his stat set, there, there were big issues last year. So... Yeah, I mean, Plumlee deserves a look. He's not going to go 7 for 8 every day. He's not going to not get to the free throw line. He's also not going to not get defensive stats. So, uh, I like it a lot. I like Mason Plumlee. And I <laughs> I, thought, I mean, we talked about this months ago, and I kind of forgot about it because I figured, ah, wait, wait, no, what's he going to do? Is he really going to get the playing time? What's going to happen with Julie Okafor? Well, looks like they want him out there. I don't believe in Josh Jackson, we know he's not shooting 57% for the year. He's, he's a disaster out there. Derek Rose, he'll get his usage in his bench minutes. Jeremy Grant will be better than this most nights, but remember, he doesn't rebound. So if you got into that one, understand you did so with the idea that he was going to get more shots, hopefully get some blocks, some three-pointers, kind of combo things up in that interesting way. Delon Wright didn't play much. Killian Hayes didn't play much. Detroit looks like they kind of want to win a little bit, even though they stink. So expect more veterans here, at least at the front end of the season, and then maybe things do turn, uh, I don't know, in March. We'll keep an eye on things on that way. But listen, if you can get from now to March, you take it, especially in Roto, where, again, every game matters. Minnesota side, Cat, 22-11-7. Not much to complain about there. Malik Beasley had 23 points in only 27 minutes. He led the team in usage with 18 shots. This game was a pretty good beatdown, so you'd probably see a few more minutes for the regulars. D'Angelo Russell came off the bench because he was late to shoot around. He'll be fine. He'll probably be better than this on most game, most nights anyway. Uh, Anthony Edwards played 25 bench minutes and actually looked pretty good. That's, that's a good role for him. Ricky Rubio was terrible. And listen, he wasn't a guy that we were advocating drafting, but this is a buy low. You might be able to get him. I mean, he might get dropped if you let another game like this go. Sacramento-Denver, okay, here's one we got right after uh, the, the stench of that Chicago handicap that we totally got wrong. I said the Kings might win this game outright. They did. I didn't have the stones to do it, though. An eight-point underdog, that's hard to drop. I think in the write-up on this game on our wager pass, I said, eh, maybe put five bucks on the Kings at whatever the money line was. It was like plus 300-something, so maybe you made an extra $15 on your bet. Harrison Barnes was better than he will normally be. I mean, everybody was. This game went to overtime. Game go to overtime, you're going to get more stuff. Harrison Barnes was better than usual. Buddy Heald was, I would say, typical. This is not going to be that far off from the norm for him. He was a guy we were really high on. Tyrese Halliburton looked really good, uh, but I'm not picking him up. Darren Fox looked good, 21. Rashawn Holmes fouled out. Nikola Jokic gave him trouble, but at least he had 6-9 and nine before doing so. Marvin Bagley also fouled out, but at least he had 13-9. and nine before doing so. It'll be better for both of those guys. Hassan Whiteside, by the way, from the Kings' perspective, I saw a ton of things that I liked yesterday. Whiteside not playing that much was something I liked a lot. 
I still think he's going to be an okay fantasy value because he'll probably play around 17 to 20 some odd minutes a game, and that still keeps him in that kind of 75 to 90 range just because of rebounding and blocks. Uh, but the fact that they seemingly wanted to use more Holmes and Bagley, that's a good sign. That's a that's a sign that the Kings are making better personnel decisions and pushing the pace. Thank you, Alvin Gentry. And they got the win against the Nuggets team that, again, I mean, Jokic was more awake than I expected. I'll give the big guy a lot of credit. He triple-doubled in a huge performance. Michael Porter Jr. also pretty awake. Um, Jamal Murray was not. He looked like a guy that was still a bit beat from that long playoff run. He went one for nine. He's a buy. He's a buy. And I say buy low because I don't know you're going to get him for all that cheap. He went too high in drafts. Gary Harris played 41 minutes in this game and didn't do anything with them. He's just not... He doesn't do fantasy stuff anymore. Paul Millsap, 36 minutes, but Jermichael Green was out, so that number will probably trend down. Still, you could use him as kind of a veteran short-term fix that'll probably have value most of the year if he's healthy. And then Will Barton, good to see him back in there. 33 minutes for uh, Will the Thrill. 16, 2, and 4, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. That's a good start for a guy that most of uh, fantasy NBA today was drafting in the 130 range as a guy that was like, well, what the hell's he doing down here? I think he's. I think that was number 68 now among all players that went uh, in their first game this year. Utah-Portland, glad I left this one alone. Because I looked at that line on yesterday's show. You might remember, I was like, man, I really want to bet the Blazers, but something is saying no. Something is saying these these the Blazers don't have chemistry with their new guys yet, and they're just like half asleep coming off a good offseason season. And so I left it alone because Utah has that consistency, the continuity in personnel that's so valuable the first few weeks of the season, and they just ran the Blazers right out of the building. Ugly game for Portland. Joe Ingles had one of his better games he'll probably have this year with 14-5-7. Rudy Gobert, 20-17. and D-bombs guy off to a nice start. Donovan Mitchell was fine, which is sort of what he is, durable and fine. Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, missed a bunch of shots, but that's what you're going to get out of him. Not a great field goal percent. I mean, not horrible usually, but he'll get you some threes. He'll get you some rebounds. He'll hit some good free throw numbers. Mike Conley was fine. There's a lot of guys that are fine on this team. And I know that there was buzz that Derek Favors was looking to play, you know, 20 to 25 minutes this year. That ain't happening. He is the backup center to the franchise center. It's not happening. Portland side, just throw it out. Robert Covington, horrible game. Dame, horrible game. Nurk, terrible game. They were awful. Dump it. Don't panic. Don't change a thing. And finally, Phoenix. And I'm such an idiot for not putting this one on the card because I like the Suns. I said I like the Suns to win a close ball game. They won a close ball game because they have clutch players on that club now. Chris Paul, who, by the way, really bad fantasy game for Chris Paul. Eight, po- eight points, four boards, five assists two steals, Um, but he just, he's so smart. It's such a weird thing to talk about in in this respect in that he does the right things even when the numbers don't indicate it because yesterday he tried to take a step back and say, okay, this is not my team. I'm gonna figure out how to fit with these guys slowly, but I don't want to force it. And so there were a few mistakes in there, but he mostly let Devin Booker run the show, and that wasn't great for Devin. He had eight turnovers in yesterday's game. He'll be better than that. Mikel Bridges was brilliant. 18-7, two blocks, four three-pointers. Uh, DeAndre Ayton 
got into early foul trouble, ended up kind of salvaging a decent ball game. But the fact that the Suns didn't even really play that well and still won, I think that's a good sign for that team going forward. Luka, 32-8-5, good ball game for him. Josh Richardson, 12-7. and But again, we got, you need those defensive stats. Otherwise, what's the point? Tim Hardaway Jr., all he does is score, and he didn't do that all that well in this one, but he'll probably be better. And then Dorian Finney-Smith was the, oh, okay, that's the guy who's going to do a little bit of stuff. Because frankly, right now, without Kristaps Porzingis, Luka needs help, and it's going to have to be one of these other guys. Uh, if you have Dwight Powell, you can probably move on. Seems like he and Maxi Kleber are going to be largely splitting center minutes, and that's not great for either one of them. And that is your recap. By the way, one of the guys uh, I should mention on the Sun side, I was kind of keeping one eye on Jay Crowder to see if he would get enough minutes to be the full-time power forward, but he's going to be splitting some of those with Cam Johnson, uh, who slides up a little bit, and Dario Saric, when he comes back, will also chew up a few. So Crowder probably not going to be good enough to uh, get on the full season per game chart. If he stays healthy, he'll probably sort of clunk his way to decent roto numbers and that's fine but that's better for weekly leagues that's better for deep leagues that's better for unlimited games stuff roto games cap probably not going to be good enough on a night-to-night basis by the way all the lines that we're about to talk about and have been talking about are brought to you by our buddies over at mybookie.ag come win some money with us here this nba season by signing up with promo code hoopball h-o-o-p B-A-L-L. Do it this week because my bookie is running six days of giveaways. Today, 25 free spins on the Santa's Shop game at mybookie.ag. I'm going to try that out as soon as I'm done recording this podcast. I don't know what it means. It does mean that there is a 1x rollover requirement. So presumably if you have 25 free spins, you have to pay for 25 spins after that. But I would also guess that if you... Uh, if you pay for 25 and the expectation is, you know, maybe you lose, maybe you win, but you get 25 for free. Hopefully you end up at least break even at the end of all of that. Uh, and then that's another victory under your belt. Uh, there are two more days of giveaways tomorrow and the day after Christmas. Make sure to log in every day. Your first login of the day, it'll pop up in the middle of your screen and you can take advantage of it. Make sure to get a deposit going. Uh, they take Bitcoin, they take credit cards, whatever's easier for you. Again, use promo code HOOPBALL. You bet, you win, they pay at mybookie.ag. Love it, love it. Oh, can't wait for the next odds boost stuff too. When they do promos over there, you got to get on them. Every time you guys choose not to sign up, you miss another promo. So sign up. Sign up. My The promos we've followed alone between these six days of giveaways and the odds boost stuff for college football and NFL and Thanksgiving, I think they've basically given us like somewhere between $450 and $700 in just money. (laughs) That's it. So get in there now. Bet really, really small and then take advantage of these giant promos. It's, It's an easy way to just add a couple of dollars on the side. And at the end of every 12 months, you'll probably have an extra, again, $400 to $700 to spend on whatever the hell you want. Go buy something fancy. Go buy a few fancy things. MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. Our other sponsor, of course, our buddies over at Manscaped.com. Promo code there is HOOPBALL20. Make sure to sign up, or excuse me, make sure to get yourself a lawnmower or cologne. They've got cologne out now for the holidays. Ooh, 
I think they sent me one, even though I said I don't wear cologne. So maybe I'll just put it in a closet somewhere so the apartment doesn't stink. That seems that seems like a reasonable idea, right? Uh, they also sent me a pair of the shears, the luxury nail kit. No longer will your friendly neighborhood host have to cut his fingernails with a fishing line clipper. It's time for me to step my game up. Get my fingernails right. Choppy little things. Manscaped.com. Promo code HOOPBALL20. Again, mybookie.ag promo code over there is HOOPBALL. Turning the page to Christmas, since there are no games today. Uh, by the way, Merry Christmas in advance. We will have a podcast tomorrow on Christmas Day. It'll be a short one. It'll just be about theory. It'll be about what we've seen so far, and it'll probably air after, if I had to guess. It'll probably be like around lunchtime or something to that effect. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Again, it won't be anything earth-shattering. Maybe a little check-in on the D-bombs. That might be the, the best thing to do. Just a little quick review on where we're at with everything. New Orleans at Miami is the morning game. Heat are favored by four and a half. I got to tell you, one of the, the old adages in sports betting is that no team is ever as good as their best game and no team is ever as bad as their worst game. The inclination in my heart is to say the Heat bounce back after kind of... Uh, zombie strolling into their opener against Orlando. And the other inclination in my heart is to say, well, the Pelicans, they got this big win over the Raptors on the road. Maybe they'll be happy resting on their laurels. But I also think there's other stuff at play for both of these teams. Number one, it's Christmas morning. And Christmas morning games are always extraordinarily ugly. Turnovers, very fast pace in the first half of Christmas morning games because nobody really wants to play any defense. Nobody really wants to focus enough to play defense and then you throw in these two teams that are actually both for the heat now they're they're they need to sort of refocus you can't just lose games and then not have any consequences on the pelican side they're they're trying to make a name for themselves this year my the first thought is the heat haven't quite played their way into game shape yet and it takes more than one night to do it You'll probably see it with the Lakers as well when we get to that Lakers-Mavericks uh, game later on on this docket. Yes, they had ring ceremony stuff, but if you watched these teams, the Heat, the Lakers from the finals, the Nuggets, who were eliminated after a long, blistering playoff run, I'd say the Celtics, but you know they have, the, they have youth on their side in some, some capacity. Uh, but they also played a Bucks team that had some other stuff going on. Um, the Raptors, perhaps we probably should have put more stock in the Raptors not being quite back to full steam after a fairly deep playoff run. It's not, you know, it, the Clippers probably would have been in that boat if they weren't playing the Lakers on opening night. So I, I think that there's, my lean in this game is to the Pelicans, catching four and a half, probably not enough to do anything with it, but I don't think the Heat are quite, in-season ready yet the way the Pelicans showed they were in their game against Toronto. They are awake. Total of 224.5. I would lean to the under, if only because I think you're going to see a lot of turnovers and misses on Christmas morning. But again, probably not that strong of a lean. Warriors are at Milwaukee. Bucks favored by 10. And frankly, um, I don't know how the Warriors could possibly play any worse than they did in Brooklyn. But they're also just not that good this year. They're also running into a very good defensive team in Milwaukee that was not super awake for their opener yesterday. Uh, but they defend very well. Brooke Lopez protects the rim. Giannis protects the rim. Drew Holiday now protects the rim. 
DiVincenzo. Like, their whole starting unit, very good defensively. And for the Warriors, they're trying to figure out what the hell they can do with probably no Draymond in that ballgame. So as much as I'd love to take 10 points, obviously you start, anytime there's a 10-point spread, you start by looking at the underdog and then talk yourself out of it, potentially. And I think I've talked myself out of it because, as I just mentioned a moment ago, yes, the Warriors are not as bad as their worst game, and maybe that is their worst game, but they're pretty bad. And they were pretty bad last year, even with Steph healthy. They have a lot to figure out. Total of 232.5 in this ballgame would lean a little bit to the under in this one as well. But again, totals this part of the year are kooky. You better be banking on something beyond just a traditional handicap because you don't really know how teams want to play quite yet, and especially on Christmas Day. Brooklyn is at Boston. Brooklyn favored by three. Both of these teams played well in their first ballgame. I would lean to the Celtics. Good as Brooklyn looked, they beat up on a Warriors team that frankly just isn't that great. Boston looked pretty damn good against Milwaukee. I think they're just going to be a tough out pretty much every ballgame. Lean to the Celtics. Total 228.5. Dallas is in LA. Dallas needs a scoring punch. Lakers need to focus. I would lean to Dallas catching six in this ballgame. I do think the Lakers probably win because I don't think they want to go 0-2 to start the year, but I think it's going to end up being closer. I don't think they're going to be super locked in on Luka and company. I also don't think Dallas is going to be able to stop the Lakers. I would lean uh, ever so slightly to the over in this ballgame, but again, Christmas Day, you just grain of salt. And then the Clippers are in Denver. Clippers favored by two and a half. This is a letdown spot for the Clippers after big win over the Lakers. For the Nuggets, uh, they had an ugly loss to the Sacramento Kings yesterday. I think they'll come out a little bit more focused. I lean to the home underdog, total of 224 and a half. Uh, I would lean to the under on that total in that final ball game on Christmas Day. Let's talk fantasy stuff. By the way, um, if you guys want to know, you know, I'll be putting a lot of those thoughts about these games on Twitter in a betting tweet storm later on today. I will also have my plays on those five Christmas games as part of our wager pass at HoopBall, along with plays uh, from our buddy Vince, who you, we talked to on this podcast earlier this week, Eric and Troy. Those guys all have NBA plays in our wager pass. It's $9.99 for an entire month. You get to see everybody's plays. You can pick and choose. Follow your favorites. Am I your favorite? Oh, that's nice. You can follow me or don't. I don't care. $9.99 a month. Hoop-ball.com. The wager pass also gets you access to the wagering discord room. So good news all around. Let's talk fantasy on those five Christmas Day games. Pelicans, not much to keep track of there. Kind of same deal with Miami. Really not much that we don't know on these teams. On the Pelican side, it's probably just, you know, does J.J. Redick actually see that amount of usage again? I would venture to guess probably not, but tough to know. Warriors, still no Draymond, so I wouldn't make much of a handicap on them yet. Bucks seems like it's going to be their starter. So those first two games, really not much to pay attention to on the fantasy side. Game three, we do have some stuff, uh, particularly the Brooklyn side. How much does DeAndre Jordan play in a game that probably won't be a blowout? Is he going to get those fourth quarter minutes? Is it going to come back to him for 25, 26 in the ballgame? And Jared Allen settles in that 21, 22 range. Or is it going to be an even split? Does Jared Allen play more off the bench? This is important because whichever guy eclipses the other, Jared Allen needs fewer minutes than DeAndre, a lower number to have fantasy value. And if he gets too uh, relatively even with him, then he overtakes him in fantasy value 
which I guess makes a lot of sense given the last thing I said. Boston side, um, eh, not much really over there. Uh, other than you know what it, what is Jeff Teague here in this short term? He probably has a, I would guess he has a poorer fantasy game here than he had uh, yesterday. Dallas is in L.A. Um, Lakers, Montrez, and Schroeder, kind of what their roles are on that team. That's probably it for the Lakers. Mavericks, the big men. Can anyone get over the hump in the non-Porsingus games happening? Tim Hardaway, Josh Richardson, we'll see what they do. And then that last game, there's, yeah, there's a little bit of stuff in that last ballgame. Not a ton on the Clippers' side. The Zubats' surge minute split is still something to keep an eye on. I think Zubats, we mentioned as a, a must-add guy yesterday. We'll see if he can keep the minutes up this year. And then on the Denver side, you know, what is what is the actual plan with a guy like Paul Millsap? Is He, he can't last playing 30-plus minutes a game for an entire season at this juncture. I know they always say the guys are in their best shape of their career, but what you're watching for on that Denver side, what is a minute distribution? Is there any fantasy stuff left in Gary Harris? Uh, Will Barton looks pretty good. Otherwise, I think we have a pretty good idea what's going on there as, as well. So once again, folks, have a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your tomorrow. We will get a show out to you, a short one in the middle of the day, just a little quick review on where we're at with everything. Once again, I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a lovely, gameless Thursday, Christmas Eve. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.